0: Welcome to 15-Minute Fundamentals, where we break down crypto projects and learn about the drivers behind the data you see on our charts. Today, I'm joined by Colin Cunningham from Centrifuge, a protocol that allows real-world assets to be used as collateral in DeFi. Hey, Colin. Welcome to 15-Minute Fundamentals. Thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks, Oscari.
0: To kick things off, could you give us a quick intro on what Centrifuge is?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, Centrifuge, the way I like to think about it is the, the home for real world assets and DeFi. And what that means is anyone from the real world can bring assets like mortgages, um, invoices, any asset that exists in the real world uh, and finance that on chain uh, through Centrifuge's protocol and infrastructure.
0: Great. And could you also briefly describe the protocol on a slightly more technical level? As uh, someone going to your website would see that you're built on Substrate, powered by Ethereum and bridged with Polkadot. So quite a bit going on there.
1: Sure. So just a little background there. So Centrifuge was founded in 2017. Um, but the first version of our DAP, which is called TinLake, uh, which you can reach at through the Centrifuge website, uh, that's the DAP that actually allows institutions and other groups to finance real world assets on chain and allows investors to invest in um, those credit investments through the centrifuge protocol. Uh, So in the midst of all that, um, we've been building our own centrifuge chain inside of Polkadot through a uh, dot parachain, right? So that parachain is now live. So what you have is you have the centrifuge blockchain, which is existing in the dot uh, network, but then you've got the Tin Lake DAP, which is still sitting on Ethereum. Right. So a lot of the work that we're doing now is and what we'll be doing over the next six months is migrating Tinlake, which is what we call our debt for financing real world assets on chain. We're migrating that from uh, Ethereum uh, onto our own blockchain, the centrifuge chain, as we call it, uh, that sits inside of the dot ecosystem.
0: Now, moving on to our dashboard, Um, we at Token Terminal really like revenues, so I'm eager to discuss these. (laughs) But could you start by breaking down your business model?
1: Yeah, sure. So we haven't really flipped the switch on revenue yet here at Centrifuge, right? And I think that's because the way we think about it is we've been trying to build two things first. I think the first is the infrastructure, right, which is all of the technology that allows people to actually secure real world assets on chain in the form of NFTs uh, and then pool those NFTs and finance them through the Centrifuge protocol, Right. Uh, The other piece is we're trying to build the platform uh, or the market, if you will, which is all of the different liquidity partners, which can be off-chain or on-chain, and bringing those liquidity partners to the centrifuge protocol uh, and helping them understand how to invest. Uh, So uh, the way it works simply is that for any group or any manager that wants to finance assets from the real world, uh, what they do is they approach the centrifuge protocol and they can actually finance. They can turn convert those real world assets uh, through uh, a peer to peer protocol that we've built, uh, and and secure them on chain as NFTs. What they then do is spin up a centrifuge pool and add those NFTs into the centrifuge pool. The centrifuge pool then acts as a credit fund uh, for all of those assets that are in the pool, and the the fund is or the pool is simply broken into two tranches: a senior tranche. Uh, and a junior tranche. The senior tranche is what we call drop tokens. The junior tranche is what we call tin tokens. And then investors have the ability to invest into that pool uh, through, which is effectively a fund, which is a mix of different real world assets, which are secured in the pool as NFTs. So uh, I think that's as simple as I can explain it.
0: Now, when you say you haven't flipped the switch on revenue, you're referring to protocol revenue, which we'll cover in a bit. Uh, First, could you break down how the supply side fees are generated between the different participants you just mentioned?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, what we're looking at here from Token Terminal, this is when we say supply side revenue in the context of Centrifuge, that's really the interest that investors are accruing through the investments that they're making into the different pools that are available on Centrifuge. So, just to give a very clean example is if someone invests a uh, hundred thousand uh, die into a pool and over one year, let's say the interest rate holds at ten percent, they would have accrued uh, an additional ten thousand uh, die in interest over the past twelve months. What you're seeing here from Token Terminal is in the latest uh, month that I think you have data there, Oscari, right? looks like 550,000. What we're really seeing here is the amount of interest that's accrued, I think, in total in that month uh, with the 10,000 example that I'm providing there being some portion uh, of the 550,000 overall.
0: Perfect. So you have these asset originators who lock their NFTs that represent the real world assets into Tin Lake's liquidity pools in order to borrow capital. And then on the other side, you have investors who lock stable coins into the pools to earn yield. And that's the supply side revenue, which represents the amount of interest that borrowers pay to lenders. And then on protocol revenue, which, as you mentioned, is currently non-existent, I'd love to hear how you're thinking about possibly turning on the fee switch and what that would look like.
1: Yeah, so I think the way we're thinking about that right now, uh, and, you know, it's live in the Centrifuge Forum and the community will debate the the best path forward, um, but it's really going to be fees to the borrowers. Um, So once we make that move, borrowers and people that are financing real-world assets through the Centrifuge Protocol are paying some fee, and that fee ultimately goes into uh, the Centrifuge uh, Treasury. Uh, And then we also think that uh, another proposal that's out there is for Centrifuge token holders, to actually be able to stake their tokens against pools that they would like to see launch before they actually launch through our infrastructure and on the Centrifuge protocol.
0: Cool, looking forward to that governance proposal to see when that might go live. Um, Next, I have an observation followed by a question. Uh, The last six months have been rough on the lending market and crypto in general, of course. And if we look at the lending market dashboard, here, we can see that both the revenues and market caps of the top 10 lending protocols have been in downtrend. But looking at Centrifuge, your revenue has been showing strong growth against that trend uh, ever since launch, while your market cap has not followed that. Now, I wanted to ask what the main drivers are behind this growth. And what do you think about the seemingly negative correlation between your revenue growth and market cap?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the reason that you're seeing revenue go up as steadily as you are, is because I think our TVLs doubled in the past six six months or something roughly like that, Ascari. Token Terminal has the, has the actual data, right? Um, specific to the, the, the value of the token, right, or the market cap, right, what I think we're seeing here is a lot of the conversation that we just had about, one, protocol fees, but two, um, the tokenomics and the usage uh, around the CFG token. So a lot of the work that we're focused on moving forward, right, is what is the revenue model or what is the fee model that we drive through governance and through the Centrifuge community? Um, And second to that is providing more utility uh, for the the CFG token for Centrifuge token holders, right? And especially um, now that our parachain is live and we're getting live up in in the DOT ecosystem, um, it's important that folks that are holding CFG be able to do something with that um, and that's the, 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 key focus. And I think that correlation that you're seeing there, um, of course, right. Like the broader market is down 40 or 50% from the highs of whatever period it was, uh, over the past 12 months. Um, but I think here at Centrifuge, well, we see a, a clear and compelling need, uh, to improve the utility of the CFG token.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I love the transparency there. Next, I'd like to talk about, the. Uh Actual process of onboarding these real-world assets into DeFi. Could you walk me through a concrete example of how the asset financing process works in practice?
1: Sure, I'll try and keep it as uh, uh, short as I can. Uh, but the way it's worked to date is a little bit different about than how it'll work in the future. Um, but today on Centrifuge, I think there's 12 or 13 different pools. Uh, that are alive and being actively managed on the Centrifuge Protocol, right? The the beauty and I guess the difficulty of real-world assets is that uh, we have to merge the worlds of kind of off-chain collateral and the, the legal uh, structures and the risk structures that exist um, from traditional finance. And we have to merge that or find the right way to pair that um, kind of with the world of on-chain um, smart contracts, NFTs, and of course, just like the broader, the, the broader blockchain. Um, so the way it works today is that for any institution that wants to, um, or any organization that wants to finance real assets on chain, they have to first provide kind of the legal structure that underpins everything that you see on the Tin Lake Dapp. So this requires all of the legal structuring that comes from traditional finance, all of the checks and balances that you would have in a traditional, debt offering, um, and then those organizations have to meet those expectations and then share that information and make that information available uh, to any investor that may need to understand um, the claim on the collateral, um, the legal structure, uh, and what they're actually investing in. So for all the pools on Centrifuge, you can see the executive summary, you can request uh, which houses all of the investment information. You You can request to sign an NDA and learn more about the investment. Um, and get access to any of the information that you would need to feel comfortable uh, investing in such, a, in such a pool, right? Um, and so I think a lot of the work that we continue to do, and I think we continue to lead at Centrifuge, is how do we make these investments on-chain safe by taking the best practices um, from the off-chain world and ensuring that that information is available and those processes are being followed uh, by the pools that you see on Centrifuge today mm-hmm. and, and going forward.
0: Got it. Now, this is super interesting because it's for sure a bit of a hot topic right now. If you go to the governance forums of different lending protocols, real world assets are kind of a polarizing subject in some <laughs> sense. Uh, you have strong arguments both for and against where the foresight is that if you want to unlock full potential lending on chain, you need to onboard real world assets because that's what make up makes up the bulk of collateral in this real world we live in. And against, you can argue that involving off-chain transactions and aspects to DeFi would make you lose some efficiency, reliability, automation, and enforcing contracts might be difficult. And related to that, could you walk us through how the process of enforcing these collateral contracts actually works in practice? If someone were to say default on their mortgage?
1: Yep. So the, every industry has uh, a different set of third parties that cater to this process, right? So you have um, things like verification agents, payment agents, um, all of these different legal structures that really ensure that any investment that any investor is making, right? There is a process for securing uh, that collateral off chain. So I can't can't give you a blanket answer in the sense that it's very simple. Uh, every, Every pool or every fund does this exactly the same way. Um, what I can say, right, is like every pool that you're looking there, at, uh, looking at on Centrifuge um, is its own standalone SPV, right? And the idea is that the collateral being put into that SPV is bankruptcy remote from the person that's actually managing uh, the investment, right? So the claim on that collateral, right, and the legal recourse for actually securing that collateral in case of default um, is managed off-chain and is managed by each pool. And any investor should should they need to get access to that information, um, would have to actually go through a discussion or an evaluation of each pool, right? And a lot of the institutional investors, and I would say more of the structured credit and traditional credit investors that are beginning, in my opinion, I think we're seeing this across DeFi, beginning to come into DeFi, um, they're starting to raise a lot of those questions, bring a lot of that expertise and a lot of the diligence and risk assessment that's needed um, as they're managing not a couple hundred thousand or even a couple million, but they're they're managing hundreds of millions, if not billions uh, in capital on behalf of their investors. And when they make that investment, uh, you can be sure that they need to know how they're going to get a claim on that collateral or what happens in the case of default. I think the broader answer I would give there, though, Ascari, especially when you think about more of the retail investment side, is that for it's the reason that you actually securitize debt on chain through centrifuge, right? Because as a senior investor, ultimately, you want to be protected by the junior tranche, right? And you should understand the way that the, the pool is structured and the way the risk is priced, uh, of course. And the, the assumption that you should make, that I would be making, right, or the diligence that any investor should be doing is ensuring that if they invest in the senior tranche, when there are defaults, right, and inevitably there will be defaults in, in, in the real world, what you want the senior tranche to do is ultimately be protected and the groups that are investing in this, in the junior tranche, they're really taking that first risk and that first loss. They have the appetite for it. Uh, and they also have uh, run the analysis to know what the default rates might be. And in case of default, know that they will take a financial hit, um, when that does occur. Uh, and so that's why I think we want to be continuing to push the on-chain infrastructure of centrifuge from single, uh, a B tranche as it is today, a senior and a junior tranche, into really multiple tranches of risk uh, through a centrifuge, through a pool that's launched on centrifuge. Because in that way, you can actually allow different investors that have different risk appetites to access different parts of the cap structure uh, and invest into uh, uh, you know, a centrifuge pool at the place where uh, the investment returns of the yield matches their risk appetite.
0: Got it. Now, before we discuss the composition of your borrowing volume, could you speak a bit about the role of partnerships in your roadmap with, example, MakerDAO and Aave?
1: I think this is very much the vision of kind of on-chain composability and integrations that allow um, you know the Legos to really connect and flow liquidity through through different protocols, right? So MakerDAO has been a a partner to Centrifuge for at least two years, and the conversations and all the technical work that's gone into the 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 creation of a Maker Vault that's directly integrated with the Centrifuge pool, um, that's been in the making for over two years, right? So when we think about MakerDAO, um, we think about kind of the central bank or the Federal Reserve of, um, of DeFi, right? And they're a, a critical partner uh, and they're a, a key piece of the, the value proposition that Centrifuge offers. And um, we want to continue to grow that relationship. We want more DAI flowing into more pools, and uh, we're actively working through maker governance and the maker community and uh, the maker DAO, which is um, uh, quite a journey, but a good journey uh, to find a way forward with some of the partners that are coming to Centrifuge to, to unlock more of that capital. AVA is very much the same. What I think you're seeing, uh, and just to point out a key difference here, is that the RWA market that's built atop AVA is really a collection of multiple Centrifuge pools, right, that allows um someone from AVA to invest in that RWA market uh, and actually get access to a basket of different pools that are on Centrifuge, right? Versus the Maker Vaults that uh, Centrifuge currently um, has integrated with. And I think there's four, maybe five pools. I think it's four pools today that have Maker Vaults. Um, They're directly, the Maker Vault is made available directly for um, that, uh, that pool in that asset class.
0: And, Then on to composition, who are the lenders and borrowers on Centrifuge right now, and how do you expect that to develop?
1: Yeah, sure. So a lot of these groups were with Centrifuge from the launch of Tinlake, and that happened in October of 2020, roughly, I think, uh, Oscari, right, which is when you started to kind of see this growth in the initial um, real-world assets being funded on-chain through different pools, and then it's kind of... um, dispersed or distributed over time, right? It's it's interesting to look at the growth, right? I think the the pool that is the largest today on Centrifuge is a group called New Silver um, that does mortgages in the Northeast of the United States. Um, There's also a group on there called Reef that does Canadian mortgages, right? So real estate is already making up close to 50% uh, of the total value lock that you see on Centrifuge today. What I think we're going to start seeing um, as we go forward is I think we're going to continue to see a lot of ESG investment. Um, And then I think we're also going to see a lot of uh, non-U.S. investment start to our investment opportunities pop up, uh, which could be in kind of consumer loans or higher yielding um, products that fit more within the appetite of potential crypto investors Uh, in the context of MakerDAO. um, Because of the way that. Uh, a Maker Vault works and the way that dye is printed and that the cost of capital is zero there. I also think you could see very low yielding debt from the real world from very big um, traditional uh, asset managers start to come to centrifuge as well. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit dispersed and diverse, I would say. Um, and it'll really be driven by buy side or investor appetite uh, for different asset classes.
0: And final question on my side is that what's next for Centrifuge? Is there anything that you can share on the product side developments or any future use cases you'd be like really excited about that we haven't yet touched on?
1: Our CEO, Luke, Lucas Vogelsong, just released a product roadmap that I think really captures it pretty cleanly. I think the highlights that I would that I would be thinking about are um, I think the first is you know, our parachain is live um, on Polkadot. And the migration of TinLake DAP that sits on Ethereum uh, and gaining liquidity inside of the DOT ecosystem for uh, the DAP that we're building or migrating from TinLake to, or, or from Ethereum, excuse me, uh, to Polkadot. Uh, I think that's the really key piece, right? You're, you're moving into the DOT ecosystem and we're trying to grow that ecosystem of liquidity specific to real world assets that will be financed through the centrifuge. Uh, blockchain. So I think that's really the key piece. I think the second uh, highlight is with that move and with that migration, um, you have the opportunity for protocol fees or um, revenue that goes into the centrifuge treasury. Um, and then the third uh, is what we talked about, I think, at the beginning, Oscari, which is really about token utility. Right, so for those folks that are holding the Centrifuge token, if you have protocol fees on, if you have liquidity in the DOT ecosystem, that's financing financing robot assets through Centrifuge, and then you have um, utility of that token. I think that one, two, three punch, right? I think that trifecta, if you will, um, is really powerful, and I think that's a that's an exciting story to get behind. Uh, it's a lot of work, uh, both on a technical and commercial level. Um, for Centrifuge, but I think it's ultimately the right direction and the one we're headed in.
0: Looking forward to seeing how all these things develop, and uh, I'll make sure to link the product roadmap that you put out into the show notes. Thanks a lot, Colin. I really appreciate you doing this. This is a great session. I think uh, listeners will have definitely learned a lot about this hot topic of real-world assets in DeFi, so thank you.
1: Uh, no problem. Thanks for having us.